What's up, everyone? Excited for this week's episode with John Rooney. If you like analogies, this is the episode for you. John has a million. I really, really, really like the way John thinks. I enjoyed our conversation a lot. Uh, We talk about solutions marketing, the intersection between product marketing and solutions marketing. What is solutions marketing? John owns both uh, in his roles at New Relic, so it's really, really interesting. This podcast is a partnership with ShareBird. Sharebird ShareBird.com is a peer mentoring platform. It's the place to discover on-demand resources to help you with your product marketing career and product marketing in general. They're great resources. There's an awesome job, job board. Check it out. If you have any feedback on this podcast, questions, ideas, things you like, things you don't like, things you want to know, please email us at podcasts at sharebird.com or connect with me on LinkedIn. Shoot me a DM. We'd love to hear from people. Shout out to our sponsor, Crayon. If you aren't familiar with it, Crayon is an awesome tool for PMMs. Crayon analyzes market trends for you and makes acting on insights easy. This means dynamically updated sales, battle cards, alerts, dashboards, much more. Crayon is a great tool for marketers looking to maintain differentiated messaging, improve sales win rates, catch important updates from competitors. Check them out at crayon.co. All right, let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Product Marketing Experts brought to you by ShareBird. I'm your host, Marcus Andrews, and today we're diving deep into solutions marketing and where it meets product marketing. Solutions marketing might seem like a new thing, but it's been around for a pretty long time, at least versions of it. I was on a solutions selling team really early on in my career, and that felt a lot like product marketing. It's what initially got me interested in product marketing, packaging the product into specific solution sets for the sales team. But where is it today, and why are we seeing it added or paired with product marketing teams? Is it something product marketers should figure out? How are these roles different? How should they work together? Who does what and with whom? Lots of questions to unpack here. So we got a product marketing expert to help us out. John Rooney is the SVP of product and solutions marketing at New Relic. Before that, he was the VP at Domino Data Labs and VP of product marketing at Splunk. So super, super excited to dive into this one with him. John, how's it going? Marcus, it is going fantastic. How are you? Doing really well. It is Friday and the election is still happening. And right now it is all eyes on Philadelphia. And I know you're a Philadelphia guy. And it seems right now like Philadelphia has it together, which is great. It's refreshing because my only experience with Philadelphians is at an Eagles game when things are very, very different. What do you think of Philly right now? Are they representing well? So Philly's magic. (laughs) I've said for years that Philadelphia is the thinking man's New York. Mm -hmm. Oh, catch on to that phrase, but I think now's the year. And my hometown, I'm from Delaware County outside of Philly, which is its own weirdness, has come through and, and been uh, highly visible. So yeah, I think a little anecdote for Philly is legendary free jazz musician Sun Ra, um, who uh, yeah. claimed he was Saturn, moved to Philadelphia at some point because he felt that Philadelphia at the time was the center of evil in the universe and he needed to battle evil. And I think <laughs> here we are all these decades later and Sun Ra has left us. The orchestra is still going, and I think we've defeated evil in Philadelphia. And uh, yeah, so big up to Philly, you know. Big up Philly. Magic, it's magic. I love it. I love it. And I'm glad to see you've, you. We were saying earlier you've been in uh, San Francisco Bay Area for 20 years now, but you still have that Philly pride. I can, I can see it. That's great. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. All right, John. So how did, it, how did it all start for you? How did you get into product marketing originally? And how did you make your way to VP at New Relic? Yeah, I think I sort of started in what, you know, in my generation would have been sort of the pragmatic way of not knowing what to do. 
And when you don't know what to do, you, you get into consulting. So yeah, I was, I was a literature major as an undergrad and I thought I was going to go into the, into academia and then sort of had a kind of a change of heart slash scared away from the humanities towards the end of my college career. And I was like, wow, I haven't taken a math class. What am I going to do? And you know, I'm, I've been around so long that Accenture used to be called Anderson Consulting. And back in the day they would hire, you know, truckloads and truckloads of new, new college hires. And, you know, I was of a generation they they taught in six weeks, they taught me how to write code in C and do client server development. And wow. then I learned some Java and I just sort of, I was a terrible developer. I understood it, but like I had, I have no knack for it. Like yeah, I was, I was every quarter we do a Neuralic PMM, you know, they've been virtual now sort of on site. We always kick things off with something hands-on to keep ourselves, you know, with the product. And it's, you know, we have a very technical product for technical users in Neuralic. And I'm like, I'm still, I still get JavaScript syntax code errors, but I understood it. And, and so that kind of, I sort of shifted from consulting and doing all that sort of project and implementation work into the dot-com boom of the early 2000s, which first, you know, moved me West. And at the time, you know, when you're a product manager at a 40 or 60 person company, you kind of do everything, you know, you take out the garbage, you yep. are a sales engineer, you write test scripts. And over time, I realized, even into my, my time after business school at Microsoft, is like, I think what I'm actually doing is product, product marketing. Because as you got further away from, I'm not just curating backlog. I'm not just deciding what to build. I'm not just writing user stories or PRDs. Like, I'm actually doing sales enablement and you know, preparing the story for industry analysts and helping, help, helping partners understand what's going on and doing customer stories. And that sort of more naturally, I think, kind of moved me in the model of product marketing. And I think my career has been pretty consistent going back to my days at Microsoft in, in that it is selling technical products for technical users. So the users in my, you know, have been, you know, primarily software developers or IT, what used to be called sysadmins that are now SREs or DevOps types folks. I, I did a little stint in, in data science, but data scientists are still people who do things with code. And so what you realize is you can't really do, you know, you have to have some basis in the capabilities and empathy for the role and understand what problems they're solving to even write the messaging. You can't write yeah. the web copy. And I think it's, it's like the difference between an actor learning lines in another language phonetically versus actually being able to speak in another language. And you can't really fake that. And I think that sort of naturally moved me I think it's a pretty traditional path from product management into product marketing, where you realize that, yes, you have to have this basis in the technology and this understanding of what the role is and what problems are trying to solve and what their day looks like. But at the end of the day, it's a comms job, right? You have to tell a story around it. I'm not building stuff. No one's paid me to build stuff for a really long time. That makes a lot of sense to me. I've been in MarTech for a long time and like, I'm just, you know, marketing, mar marketing tools to marketers. And it's great because I just, I understand it really well, you know, so I, I see that there. And yeah, you know, I was talking to my guest last week too about just product marketing at more technical companies. He was at Mixpanel yep. and it's just great. You know, I do think for you having that deep understanding of the persona and the space is super important, but also like the value of product marketing with some of these more technical audiences and spaces, you know, like whether it's Mixpanel or Stripe or New Relic, product marketing seems super valuable. Does that seem true to you? Yeah, no, I think that's, I think we're on the cusp of, you know, early on in my career, I think people were just starting to get their arms around why product management was so important. And so much has changed since then. I mean, this is, you know, before the lean startup and even before cloud with the idea of like, hey, what should we build? 
especially as spaces became more crowded and like, why is this any different? And why does this solve problems in any way better than other people? I think ultimately product marketing is sort of in this next phase. And I think it's really, it is, you know, the people are, I think, aware of the need for it, but you know, you've seen every survey, people are still unclear what product marketers should even do, where should they sit in the organization? I think there's so much upside there. Definitely. Yeah. That how much more competition and how much more crowded spaces are, I think is really changing product marketing a lot. Okay. So to make things even more complicated for a second, tell me about solutions marketing. How, so you own product and solutions marketing. Is that, are those two different teams? If so, what are the goals of those teams? What does your team look like? Yeah. So they were two different teams before I joined. I joined New Relic about a year ago and like a lot of organizations and, you know, as, as things change and evolve where people and teams sit, seem to move around and there was a period of time in New Relic, I think, when product marketing actually lived under product. And then a solutions marketing team kind of popped up to somewhat fill the void of how do we package up and articulate our value and in particular support account teams and driving conversations to say, how do we map what we deliver to your, what you care about, your big initiatives, your, your big goals, whether it's the CIO or the director of IT or you know, some leader responsible for implementing DevOps. It's the idea of tying to that story. Ultimately, what's happened over the last year since I've been a New Relic is really blended the team. And the team becomes, I think that there are two sides of the same coin. I think solutions marketing is a very empathetic outside in look that you have to start with, right? Whenever we write messaging or whenever we do any sort of exercise in the team, I always try to say, okay, imagine a world in which New Relic doesn't exist. New Relic was founded by uh, Lou Cerny, who's still our, who's our CEO. And he, you know, he, he founded a company called Wiley and founded the APM space. So he's been around forever, but it's yeah. like, okay, imagine Lou decided not to do New Relic. Every one of our customers and prospects would still have these problems. So let's start there first, because I think the risk, you know, the risk that you'd never want to have, especially in increasingly competitive markets is to have a completely inside out view. It's tempting to do that. It's really, it's actually hard to resist that in a lot of kind of engineering led organizations. But I think that the notion of solutions marketing is what problems, what's, what either states do customers want to get to, like, where are they not in their, whether they're you know, journey for being data-driven. I'm sure in your world, it's a lot of how do we become much more data-driven and strategic around marketing investments like yep. that. That's really, you start there and, and anchor there, but then you have to, you have to sort of connect the dots all the way down to this is my mousetrap and this is how the mousetrap, you know, this is why my mousetrap adds up and ladders up to solving those problems. So over time, I think at New Relic, the team's done a great job of being really porous and being really somewhat interchangeable, especially at the kind of 100 and 200 level of knowledge so that, you know, we, we anchor in what customers care about. It's the old idea, like nobody wants a shovel, people just want a hole in the ground. Like really focus on that hole in the ground. Like yeah. what's the hole in the ground for? Are you, are you digging a fire pit? Are you going to put a post down for a deck? Like, why is that hole in the ground there? Spend some time there. But at the end of the day, you need to, you need to say why my shovel is better than the other person's shovel. And so having, having kind of a, a red thread that goes all the way through is the way that I've, th I've thought about sort of product and solutions marketing. And a lot of times, you know, it depends on kind of where you are in the sales cycle. You know, I think having a simple framework for how to think about these teams philosophically is really good, right? Where, you know, this outside in solutions, they are owning more of the hole in the ground to use your words, like the market and product marketing is more inside out, owning more of the product and what you do. I think that's really simple. I like that. What do 
So what does that translate into in terms of like output? Do you have certain things that you can consider more of like a solutions marketing output versus a product marketing output, whether it's a piece of content or a campaign? Like what do these teams work on? Yeah. And I, so I think a good way, and this is where I, I'm again kind of kind of probably move to your, your uh, view of the world a little bit from a MarTech uh, standpoint is like, think about where people are in the funnel. I think at the top of the funnel, for, for the most part, you're much more solutions focused, right? So what are, what are the areas of interest? What are the problems that people have? And, and so there are, you know, for example, sales solutions plays or sales plays, which I think is a really great discipline to have. And I think it helps scale, go to market organizations to say, you know, to have a methodical way to walk down, identifying what customers needs are, what their current state is, where they are in, you know, sort of whatever maturity model, and then eventually walk them down to the detail. So as as you move from sort of a stage zero or stage one opportunity closer to close, that's when you start getting to like, all right, we need the Pepsi challenge. We need the bake-off. We need to be able to see Mm -hmm. whether it is a kind of managed POC, or if you're doing sort of more of an Atlassian product-led growth, you know, somebody's, you know, doing a thing in the product, which in my world is always sort of the the preferred way to do it. Let people kind of find the value for themselves and pull through rather than have to push. That's when you have to get down to the details of kind of product marketing. So another analogy I I kind of use in my team in my world is there's, you kind of, in starting whether it's bottoms up or tops down, at the end of the day, you know, the components of why your company and the things it does well have to be a part of the core ingredients. So I always think of like, we would have kind of a core set of content that I would think of like a salad bar, right? It has everything you need, everything you'd be able to configure and put together a really compelling value-based outside in kind of solution play. We have to wrap that together, but at the end of the day, it has to come down to, okay, cool. How does this work? right? How do you do uh, tail-based distributed tracing, which is, you know, a very specific technical thing in our world, which at the end of the day is like, well, it's how to get holistic visibility so you can deliver a great customer experience, right? Well, that's, you know, there's a level of detail that ladders all the way back. And, you know, it's like another sort of oversimplification in my world is like the people, you know, the, the, the people wearing sport jackets might be on the hook for delivering sort of a delightful customer experience. Well, what that means to the people wearing hoodies and sandals and shorts are, can I have this level of granularity and data sampling and that level of detail yeah. to be holistic? And I think, I think that's why putting product and, and, and solutions marketing together to the point where they, they're somewhat indecipherable or they're hand in hand is sort of the approach that I've been taking. Yeah, it makes sense. And so what was the, you know, why does that work for you guys? I'm just thinking through my own lens, but I mean, I think in my, you know, when people are buying marketing software, for instance, or really, I guess a lot of almost any type of software at a certain scale of company, there's like a decision maker who probably cares more about like the solution, but then maybe there's like an ops person or, you know, a user, someone more technical, a dev who like, they're going to need to dive deep into product details. And they want to do that bake off that you're talking about when your buyer looks like that, or when your buying process, you know, the, the sales process looks like that. Is that the right time to have these two teams or like when, you know, to have these two disciplines or like, when is the right time? And like, why, why would a company kind of make this move? Yeah. I think at any point when you've moved towards like, you know, I think you can probably get away with, you know, in the early stages of, uh, of a company, probably to not necessarily have solutions marketing if the surface area of the category is pretty small. And, you know, it's not that many widgets that do that many different things. 
Mm-hmm. And also if you're, what you're really about more sort of the adoption and activation phase, like you just need a bunch of users, right? You're at that stage of, you just need a bunch of people doing stuff with your product and solving problems and thinking it's great at the atomic practitioner level. And again, I come from a world where that usually means a software developer or somebody writing code or somebody sitting in front of a command line interface. But as you move up and as that surface area expands, right? So like, let's take New Relic, for example, or my previous company, uh, Splunk, you know, 10 years ago, eight years ago, there was a, it was much more disparate, heterogeneous sort of best of breed tool situation. And so you could have much more discrete conversations. And quite honestly, the surface area of the solutions was just smaller. They did fewer things, right? Another analogy is like, you were just selling a corkscrew or a nail file. Now everyone, you know, you're, you're talking about the value of a Swiss army knife, all these things that are kind of pulled together. And I think that's another thing where ultimately all the people in the sales cycle, both on your side, if you have direct selling, you know, we have direct sellers at New Relic. I've always kind of worked at doing product marketing and heavy direct selling organizations, the most technical A in the world, still at the end of the day, like they're not software engineers, right? If you're a rep, like what's the story? How you have to arm them with a story, give them an opportunity to have a conversation and turn ahead and get people on board so they can open the door for the depth. And I think that's where, you know, at that stage in the organization, whether it's your, your growth as a company and, you know, kind of moving past the adoption or acquisition and activation phase, or the market is starting to mature and saying, Hey, these aren't just little departmental buys. This isn't just somebody throwing down a credit card anymore. Mm-hmm. This is much more of a strategic enterprise. Then you really have to have solution selling there and having product marketing, having that sort of solutions in their toolkit helps an organization do solution selling. Makes sense. Who owns the relationship with sales or like, what is the, is there, there's a sales relationship with both of these teams is one closer to sales than the other. How does that work for you guys? Yeah. I and mean, I think right now, because the team is pretty blended, we all, it's, it's pretty, you know, it's evenly distributed across the team. <clears throat> I think when product marketing and, and solutions marketing was separate, I think the solutions marketing team would be much more closely involved with sales. In fact, it was probably involved maybe more on a kind of somewhat deal by deal basis, right? There's right. The idea yeah. many, they were sort of brought in like, oh, okay, well, we have somebody who's done solution marketing on X and this is cus- customers also interested in X. So let's, let's tailor this a little bit. And we still do that to a certain extent. Like obviously, you know, we want to be as, as strong a partner as possible with folks who carry a bag, but mm-hmm. it should be everybody really. It should be because at the end of the day, it's like, and, it, and again, it's really hard in engineering led and product led organizations. I'll use another analogy, but it's like, it doesn't matter how, how powerful the engine is. It only matters what you get to the back wheels. And that's the back wheels are always your direct sellers. And so it doesn't really matter how amazing your product is. If people can't articulate it, if people who aren't your CEO or aren't, you know, somebody on exec staff, if the rank and file sort of the, the mean quota carrier can't go out there and turn heads and win deals, like the business is going to struggle. And I think that's how I always try to orient what the team creates. Like don't, don't create for the best seller in the world, best seller in, in, in the world or in the team could, you know, whiteboard nonsense and get it done. Look towards the mean. And that's how we try to orient what we create. And more, you know, we have the tendency that a lot of product marketing organizations do. We, we create too much content. It's just a natural inclination because we know so much and we're so excited and we want to be able to, you know, cover every angle, but your capacity is always limited. The choke point is always like, what can the AEs carry with them? And that's, you know, we have to reinforce that constantly. 
100%. I always want to see who has created the most Google Docs at HubSpot just because I think I, I must be like top five in the whole company. But I don't think there's an easy way to see that. But another question, how are you communicating the value of your team? What goals are you guys measured on? What are the most important metrics and priorities for you, you know, over the course of a year, over the course of a quarter? I think, you know, in an ideal situation, organizations ultimately were tied to product adoption and usage. I think it's, you know, it's one of the benefits of being a SaaS business and, you know, New Relic is my first real experience in like a hundred percent pure SaaS. And it's great. It means like we know what people are doing. And at the end of the day, right? Like they're either using your, your mousetrap to trap mice or not. And you can see it and you can't hide from that. Right. It's not, mm -hmm. you know, if, if, if you sold shelfware, like you're going to hear about it. You're going to see it in a dashboard on a daily basis. And so I think, you know, we try to align the team as much as possible around data ingest and use it in, 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 you know, how many daily, weekly, monthly users we have, because that is, that is a, an indicator of value. And that's an indicator of value that abstracts away deal terms, right? And so there are other places the business may make more sense to have kind of direct ARR, whether that's just expansion or renewal. But I think we focus a lot on usage and, you know, data ingestion as being a leading, as kind of a leading indicator on, on how much value folks are, are going to ultimately get out of the platform. I, in terms of enablement, because it's such a, it's something that I think that, I don't want to say that product marketing ghosts it, but it's this, it's such a big lift, especially where I've been the last few stops because the, you know, the, the platform surface area is so big. So it's that idea of how do you boil it down to, big animal pictures, but also enough detail that, that account teams are credible and can move forward. That's a lot of lift. So it can become really difficult to measure the viability of that. We've done some, you know, kind of testing and certification work with sales folks. So we'll take numbers of like, all right, so X percentage people, A, completed and also passed certification. Well, you know, it's a bit of a soft, I think it's a, it's a bit of a soft metric. I imagine there are probably some PMM teams that may even look at things like, what type, what percentage of sellers attain as a, as an indicator of how good the, the enablement is. That's a, that's a little extreme. I don't know. I haven't seen that firsthand, but I, you know, someone could argue that to me. I don't know. What do you guys do? What do you have? Yeah. So, I mean, I think one thing we're trying to get tighter on there, just there is like close rate versus certain versus a certain set of competitors, which is something, you know, newer that we can measure that we want to try and influence with different campaigns, but we try to be pretty closely tied to revenue and I think we do a relatively good job of that. It's hard to translate it sometimes into the individual, like into the individual work, the PMMs, because it's like, all right, you know, positioning or, you know, how well, like, you know, product accuracy is brought to life or how it lives in certain campaigns may not reflect in like an MRR number or something like that. But we try to, we try to stay really close to revenue, but for sure. I mean, that's, it's tricky. I think one, one nice thing for me personally, and I think, you know, a lot of our teams is just like that. There's not always someone because the revenue number sits with like a GM and our product team. And there's not always someone helping translate the, the specific marketing plays that we should go after to help hit that revenue number. So that's been good for us. But close rate is, is a newer one that I think makes a lot of sense, especially for that like sales view and solutions slash PMM view. Yeah. I mean, close rate's great. I, I think something I've seen a little bit, uh, you know, sometimes you're, you're beholden to the quality of the data, but to look at sort of acceleration or velocity of deals. So, yeah. you know, can you compress the time between stage one and stage two, you know, over time, if there are, you know, consistently 
and again, this goes back to sort of the balance between solution and, and product marketing. If you're getting to a bunch of stage two deals and you're assuming, you know, the deal hygiene is good and they've been vetted and everything gets stuck at, at you know, stage three or stage, you know, kind of towards the end of the funnel, uh, bottom of the funnel, that means, okay, you might need to do more on the validation stage. You might need to do more like pure product, Pepsi challenge type stuff, more workshops, more hands-on, getting the people to do the things and that's, so that, I think that's a great measure. I, don't, I haven't seen it. I'd love to see some of that stuff. Again, you're, you're, depending on, you're depending on how good the data is. The competitive stuff, New Relic, the competitive team is a partner team to ours. And they're awesome. Uh, Goggin, big shout out to Goggin and his team. Uh, so we work really closely with them. They do, they do both kind of one to many and they do a lot more deal support. So they, they will also, you know, kind of drop in on individual deals. But, you know, in a lot of cases, you're beholden on what is the, what is the, what is the account team put in the opti, even know what that looks like. So I think competitive close rate, you're depending on your, you know, there's uh, that's built upon uh, pretty quality uh, data that you would actually attribute to the opti to say, okay, we know competitor X, Y, and Z are also in this deal. Yeah. So. How, how big are your, I mean, in just generally, like are your, how big are your customers? How long is, how long is the uh, sales cycle? It just, it sounds larger and longer. I'm just curious, just for context uh, for the listeners. You know, it depends. You know, we've made a lot of, we kind of relaunched the platform with new product and positioning over the summer, which is facilitated a lot more high velocity, you know, get up and running in five minutes, put in a credit card, which I think was kind of the origins of the New Relic business going back, you know, 2012, 2013, 2014. We're getting back to a little bit. I think we had been a little bit more in the, you measure uh, deals by quarter of two. And for, you know, larger top-down deals, those things still happen. But I think we're, we're going through a bit of a transition where, you know, as much as possible, we want to be able to activate, you know, light a bunch of small fires inside an organization, have a bunch of people using and loving your relic and be like, no, we're not tearing it. You know, you'll have to tear this out of my hands. And then, you know, kind of start to have, okay, well, how do we standardize? How can, how can we help a customer kind of standardize? So this team and that team and this team, they have sort of one deal and they, they tend to be longer. And so right now, I don't, I don't know that the deal profile is homogenous because we're sort of at this transformation point, but yeah, I'd like to see it sort of compressed where like, okay, because, because it's a SaaS offering, we don't need to stand up anything for a POC, like basically show up with your data, instrument your apps, and we're making it easier and easier to get that in. It should be time to value in weeks, assuming that, you know, the right people are in the room. Nice. So you've got, even though you may have, you know, more complex audience and organizations, you still have some element of like product-led growth, it sounds like, or, or at least people can get started before they're buying it. And that's, you've got both of, you've also got a sales team, right? So you've, that's pretty complex. Have, as in that product-led growth model, you know, I think really works with all size of customers, right? It's not just small businesses, but it's like Slack is selling to the largest enterprises in the world with, you know, product-led growth. But has that is, have you had to change how you thought about product marketing to accommodate that? Or like, what is the role of product marketing if you've just got people, you know, using it for free or like individuals using it before you get to a sale? I think it's great because I think it gives us more of an opportunity to, you know, give people some prompts so they can do stuff with the product to get them excited before they're really even at the transaction phase. And, you know, an example is, you know, we have a, a perpetual free tier so people can go in and, you know, at certain, you know, pretty generous levels of data ingest and, you know, you can do all the things. And, and from a product marketing standpoint, 
what do you want to do is say, sort of say, okay, if you're, if you're interested in, let's say, Kubernetes monitoring, you know, here are some tutorials or here's some recipes or here's some thing. Oh, did you even know you can do that? And I think that is to earlier go directly to users and practitioners in a one-to-many fashion and be able to say, hey, you know, engineer, practitioner person, look at all this cool stuff you can do. Just go do it. Go, you know, help, help yeah. people navigate through the, the vastness of the, of the product. That becomes, that's interesting product marketing that again, we can have pretty quick feedback cycles on, right? We're not, you know, we can see in a dashboard in real time, hey, are people ingesting more data? Are people going to this screen or not? Versus waiting for the end of a long sales cycle to get through procurement to da-da-da, you know, th- those things to be able to say like, is, is stuff working? So I think it's been great. I'm really excited about it. We brought in some new leaders from, from, from elsewhere who've done it. And it's, you know, it, 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 to me, it's kind of a product marketing dream. You're not just running, you're not just sort of behind the shadows running, you know, kind of a sidecar to the account team where you're uh, handing them stuff off stage. Like you're, you're, you're giving, you're, you're helping deliver stuff directly to users and saying like, is it working or isn't it? And that's, that's pretty great. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm glad to hear to your enthusiasm about it too, just because I think it's really good for product marketing. And it also, I think it's what people want, you know, it's probably especially for your audience, right? Like developers, they just want to get in the tool, like they just want to start using the product. But it's also, I think, just good for marketing too, because when you put, you know, when you really have to stand on your product and the product experience, bullshit marketing is like harder, right? Because everybody now wants it. They're like, all right, great. Just give me the product. I'm going to get in. I'm going to try this stuff. And you can still educate people. You can still kind of teach people about like your uh, narrative and your story during that process, but it, it, it changes it. So glad to hear you're enthusiastic about that question for you about anybody who's either thinking about adding solutions, marketing to their product marketing team, or maybe they, you know, bringing together groups or whatever, what can potentially go wrong? Like, have you had uh, challenges maybe as the team, like as the business has grown and your needs have changed or bringing together these two teams? Like any advice for the people thinking about this or going through this? Well, I think the idea is you can't over-index on one aspect of product or solutions marketing, right? So you can't just be a solutions marketing person to be like, I know everything there is about digital transformation or cloud migration or these kind of high level tools and what people care about and what Gartner says. And, you know, here's this Forrester study, but you don't actually know how your product or solution like solves it. Like, great, you know, tie it into the product. And the inverse of that, you can't be so, you can't be a product expert and lose the forest and say at the end of the day, um, again, going back to the exercise, imagine your product doesn't exist, but customers still presumably have this problem. What are they going to do about it? What, you know, how do they think about that problem? How do they value that problem? And so that's why like you can't get overly comfortable on, on either end of it. And as I mentioned before, the PMM team at New Relic, you know, we, we kick off every quarterly meeting with, we don't even, we don't, before, we, before we even do like a check-in or, you know, words for me or anything, like we roll up our sleeves and we get in the product and we do a thing. We deploy an agent. We, you know, last time we were just building Lambda functions in, in AWS to, to sort of say like, okay, how do we think about monitoring them? How is this different than a traditional application? Like you, you can't lose your, your edge on that stuff. Yeah. Um, we can't, but you can't, you can't live in it either, right? It's one of those things that those technical skills, and this is the thing I love about product marketing, a lot of times I kind of describe product marketing as a archery on horseback because, you know, again, you, especially in, in, in the space where I've been is you're still anchored in the technology and, and the, the use cases and, you know, kind of knowing there's, there's a history to it and 
but that's not, but the end of the day, it's a comms job, right? You got to simplify it. Like what's the story? What are the three bullets? And you know, you, if, if all you are is a great storyteller, but you don't really know what you're talking about, like especially technical users can see through that, right? That is, that's like, it's the, you know, it's the analogy of an actor learning lines in another language phonetically versus being able to actually speak in that language. Like you can tell it either looks like it's written by committee or it looks like whoever wrote that, like doesn't really know what they're talking about. And it's just, it's off. But the flip side of it, if you're just in the weeds, like you're just an engineer, it's not, it's not our job. We're not, we're not, you know, we need to have those skills. They're, they're necessary, but not sufficient. So. Totally. And that's really the beauty of product marketing. Like you said, I mean, it's, you take, I, you know, I always think about it, maybe the, the other, you can do it either way. I think it sounds like you started as like a technical expert, you know, more of a technical expert and then, you know, brought this storytelling expertise to your work. But like, you know, I'm the, I'm the other way where it's like, I'm just more of a creative storyteller, but if you embed me in the, in the product and I learn the product really, really well, like the output is amazing. And like, either way you get this really cool combination, you know, when it's done well of yes, creative marketing meets your technical product. And then you have this good combination. So I like that. I really like how, what you're saying about that balance between outside in and inside out. I totally agree. Like you can't, you know, if you want to do your job well, you can't just really be one or the other. You can't just be that product expert. You can't just be that market expert. It's that combination that really is where product marketing thrives. All right. Well, a couple more questions for you, John. What do you, like, how do you feel about, how are you feeling about the product marketing career? Do you think it's a good place for people to be right now? I think that there's more opportunity than anywhere else. I think organizations, you know, whether they're venture backed startups, the, the everyone that's become sort of the new profile. I think we went through a period when this would have been six, seven, eight years ago, where it was all about demand gen and growth yep. hacking. And, you know, you're, you're in the MarTech stack, right? Like it all just became, you know, it's like the quant aspect of marketing. And I don't know, I, mean, I don't know if it's the play bigger guys and category creation, but it comes back to like, <laughs> you know, they sort of swung back to like, no, it's about storytelling. I think because, it's, yeah. I love, I love that point. I, I haven't heard anyone say that before. And I just want to zero in. I just think it's easier to build a demand gen engine now, you know, like the playbooks are out, all the secrets are out, everyone can do it and everyone's done it. So it's yeah. everyone has this, you know, and like, sure, there's still ways to optimize on top of it. But I think it seems like more of the opportunity is to build a brand, build a breakthrough narrative, have really good positioning. But yeah, I mean, I'm just getting excited by what you're saying, because I totally agree. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's, it's like the money ball thing, right? It's not just Billy Bean, everyone has a quant team. So everyone has the stack and, you know, companies like HubSpot, like others in the space have made it like really accessible to say, here's how you do it. And there's now a generation and a half of marketing leaders who've grown up in those places and and know how to do it. And it's great. I don't know how differentiated it is. So it comes back to, you know, if there's limited bandwidth, if the, again, I can think back to the world I'm in, like if the surface area of the technology and, and the thing itself is so vast it's like, you just need to be able to, to, to tell a better story around it or make it interesting, have a personality, you know, get to the point that's really differentiated. And it's hard. And it's something like, there's no, I think from a product marketer, it's, it can be humbling. Cause like you, you, I don't think you ever really solve it. You have to keep going back and, and adjusting cause it changes. But yeah, I, I mean, I'll, in terms of careers, I think that the entire industry would benefit from having more product marketers. I've hired a lot of product marketing folks the last you know five or six years of my career and some of the best ones they didn't even know they wanted to be in product marketing i would go and find yeah. them from other places right it's and i think you know there's i think it's undervalued in organizations i think it's increasingly becoming more valued 
I think that whether it's VC backed or other places, we have a new CMO at New Relic, Seema Kumar, who's a product marketing leader at, at Salesforce, right? So awesome. I think the idea of like, you know, you're because it's a hub role and you do a little bit of demand gen, you do a little bit of comms, you do a little bit of field marketing, you have exposure to it. So it's, I couldn't be more bullish about product marketing. Awesome. Anything to share with listeners or any place where people can connect with you if they want to ask you any questions? Sure. Yeah. I'm on Twitter and I joined Twitter like way late. So I have a, an embarrassingly low, low number of followers, but I'm at Rooney Thesis, R-O-O-N-E-Y-T-H-E-S-I-S. I'm doing a lot of Philly posting now nice. for obvious reasons. So feel free to <laughs> give me a follow or, or, or give me a shout on Twitter, obviously LinkedIn as well. And we are hiring. We have uh, one role open now on the product marketing team at New Relic. We're going to have another one open pretty soon possibly one after that. So we're super excited. And I think we are just rounding out into our own. And I think it's going to be the, the sort of hot field. And I'm just excited to be a part of it. Awesome. Well, really appreciate you taking some time to stop by and chat. And yeah, people go check out the open role and John's team. Thanks, John. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Marcus. So